This is your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers. And now keeping it himself with Martinez 5. He yeah. is going to be in. Touchdown. Adrian Martinez off the right edge. Runs in from 15 yards out. Tie of the game. This is the KLIN Husker Hour. Giving you an inside look at everything going on at Husker Nation. Nebraska wins its fifth national championship. Three sets one over the Florida Gators. Now. Shoots the three. Got it. Isaiah Roby nails it from three-point land. And a good time was had by all. Good Saturday morning. Welcome to another edition of the KLIN Husker Hour. It is a glorious day. We've got a lot of reasons to be excited about everything going on right now. Uh, It is another Big Ten doubleheader for the Husker baseball team. Uh, We've got some basketball news with a new recruit. It is definitely Hoiberg season uh, in the transfer portal. Uh, You've got volleyball getting back to their uh, weekend sweep ways. They're already done with their two matches this weekend. Some potentially devastating volleyball news as well. Oh, that's right. If it's a tease for Cole, then it's a tease for everyone. It is. It is. Uh, I, I want to start though, Caleb. As as you can see, I am I am not in the studio. If you're on the old KLIN uh, Husker Hour Facebook stream, uh, daughter's got a dance uh, dance competition this morning. So uh, my wife's out there with her, and I've got three kids locked in the living room downstairs. So hopefully they don't stroll in here uh, and 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 come up with a, a show she, surprise. What's she dancing to? What, what's the song? What's the music? She's got like five different things that she does so i have no idea which one the one is this morning um i'll have to get back to you on that she actually ran down the whole thing last weekend with like it's seriously like 11 different songs (laughs) i don't know how she does it she's nine years old it's pretty incredible um but so i i speaking of numbers i want to start with one that is pretty cool pretty fun uh and and very much indicative of where things are going uh and that number is one thousand. 647. You, you you caught me off guard. Did I catch you off guard with that number? Do you know what that number is? Uh, th- yeah, you got me on that one. Because I started to think when you said 1,000, I was like, okay, how many days have we gone between something? Is that where you're going with this? 1,647 is the number of fans that attended Nebraska baseball uh, yesterday yep. at Haymarket Park. Nebraska with a big win over Minnesota, 6-1, to and it was... Even more glorious because Husker fans were in the building. Uh, Jack Mitchell was one of them. Uh, if you follow us, you probably follow him already. And uh, he was loving it, living it up. You had Jackson Hallmark with a first-inning home run. Kate Povich went longer than he ever has in a game, seven-inning mm-hmm. strong. Uh, it, was, it was double a great digit Husker baseball. Double-digit Ks. That, that looks good. Yes. Um, but you talk about fans there. Not only were fans there, it, I think there maybe was some pent-up frustration a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. Plenty of Go Big Red chants. P- I think people have just been dying to randomly break out and Go Big Red chants. But then you have one of the Michigan players thought he had a ball four. Oh, yeah. And this is great at any time of the year. It doesn't matter if it's March or June or October. If the visiting player thinks he's got ball four and takes off, Guess what? The home fans are going to let him have it. And I will tell you what. These Husker fans have been waiting to just heckle the heck out of somebody. <laughs> oh, yeah. They let him have it. 
and for yeah. good reason. And and I think as you talk with the the players and and Coach Bolton, you you hear all how much they've wanted fans back. That's some of the things that you miss is your fans being able to just give it to the opponent. And it, it was nice to see yesterday. Doubleheader coming up today. Single game tomorrow. Cole, if you remember last Saturday. We were talking about Nebraska baseball on a three-game skid. Right. Apparently, that's all we needed to do because they've won four straight since then. Yes. And hit the living crap out of the ball, pitched extremely well um, yesterday, actually the last couple times out, and now you've got a chance to to really continue to move up the standings with three more against this Minnesota team this weekend. Yeah, you got the doubleheader today, uh, and then you got one more tomorrow. It should be... Uh, Chance Roche and Jake Buns uh, in the uh, the doubleheader today, and then Shea Shanneman tomorrow on the Sunday game. Yeah, look, they 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 took advantage of the the weather. Uh, Mother Nature aided, uh, perhaps in in those big wins on Saturday and Sunday against Iowa. Uh, it was ten to eight and thirteen to eight. Uh, so you you definitely got some offense. And now back here at the the friendly confines of Hawks Field, it's. The, the the pitching, I think, for Nebraska is still going to be important, obviously. Uh, and we we still are are not exactly sure what to expect from some in the bullpen. Uh, I think you know more about your back end. I think you know more about uh, your, your front-line starters. Uh, but, Caleb, the offense, if it's going to continue to do what it's been doing, then that – is going to be a big part of the puzzle for Will Bolt because I don't know that we all were as optimistic about the lineup like one through nine. There were certainly some guys that you you felt pretty good about, but the fact that you've had so many contributions from so many different places, uh, you've had Cam Chick, who's the reigning Big uh, Big Ten Player of the Week. You almost said uh, Big Max. Twelve. I almost said Big Twelve. We, we were almost thrown it way back. Yes, way back. I you you had Max Anderson who probably should have been the Big Ten yep. Player of the Week in Week One, and you've had big contributions uh, from other guys. Uh, Shields had a, a huge hits. Um, you've gotten contributions from Logan Foster, who's a transfer from Texas A and M, Lincoln, uh, Lincoln uh, from Lincoln originally. And on top of all of that, you still you, that that's before you even get to guys like Joe Acker and Mojo Haggy and Jackson Hallmark, who are the the captains of this team. Uh, they're they're getting so much from other guys in the lineup, even guys who have not even played a, a single game for the Big Red before, uh, and they're already really making an impact uh, on this team. So to know that. The, you've gotten yourself off to such a good start that you're already in a projected field of 64 per Baseball America. You can't ask for more than that. Uh, I don't know that they have a lot of room for error, but they've gotten themselves off to a good start and positioned themselves well for uh, potentially getting in even without the possibility of that auto bid through a Big Ten tournament. Cole, I've got a, a question and kind of a statement uh, for you on the Nebraska baseball. The hitting, kind of when's the last time we saw the hitting go this well outside of Baylor, <laughs> the first game of the season a year ago? Um, yeah. And then kind of the statement being, if Darren Erstad's teams would have hit this well, his tenure looks a lot different, right? For sure, for sure. 
And it's not... That wouldn't have necessarily been the difference between, you know, not making a regional and then all of a sudden being in the College World Series every year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but on the margins, I mean, you're, you're potentially looking at maybe an extra trip or two to the tournament. You're maybe looking at a, a tournament that you made, but you maybe get a higher seed and you get a more favorable draw. And then you have a chance to advance to a super regional mm-hmm. if you can put together some better hitting. It's, it's the stuff on the margins. It's the little things. And so knowing that you might actually have a big-time offense, pair that with your your frontline pitching that, that you expected to be pretty good and it has been pretty good. Pair that with a guy uh, who can throw straight gas in the bullpen after he comes <laughs> over from his spot at shortstop uh, for the ninth innings. Uh, pair that with that is such, the- that is such a like a, a legion ball thing, isn't it? Just go play <laughs> yes. shortstop for eight innings, and hey, we need someone to come in and close. Absolutely, what's well, going he, on? He just hit ninety three. <laughs> yeah, well, he's one of three guys in the in the country who's hit ninety nine this year, right? In the college ranks too. <laughs> pair that though with another thing that Swallenbach contributes to one of the best defenses in the nation. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had the best fielding percentage going into last weekend, so. I don't the, the the way they've gotten off to this start. As long as I I think as long as they don't lose a series, you know they've split uh, the the two the the four games uh, that was the two with Iowa, the two with I think Purdue uh, or not Purdue Ohio State Ohio State right when they were up in Minneapolis yeah. If, as long as you're not losing series, the start that you've gotten off to so far is going to position you for postseason play. Cole, I need to mention, because we, we talk about fans being back, just really quickly running down the numbers yes. that are allowed, because that is, with all, winning is great, uh, volleyball dominating is great, we could talk about John Cook winning his 600th game as the Nebraska uh, head coach for Nebraska Volleyball, but it's the numbers, it's the Big Ten Council of Presidents and Chancellors going out and saying, we are finally moving everything to what the local health guidelines are for fans being in the stands. So, for baseball, which, as we said, has a doubleheader today, single game tomorrow, 2,700 at Haymarket Park. That's significant. (laughs) Um, And then for softball, which is playing at Bolin, their home opening uh, weekend, they have got 675 there. Soccer, women's soccer's only got two two, two games left. The first one that you can go to is tomorrow, 675 there at Hibner. And then You've got um, volleyball, which is potentially playing Penn State this next week, and twenty up to 2,400 there at Bob Devaney Sports Center. And as of now, the plan for the spring game is 50% at Memorial Stadium. Woo. That would be uh, about 45,000. 45, and then yeah. up, potentially up to 75% of Memorial, that would be around 67,500. Yep. No, I didn't do the math off the top of my head. I'd already looked that up. Uh, but that, those are the numbers. Those are the numbers, and we do need to mention because you said it was uh, what, like six hundred or sixteen hundred something went to the the game yesterday. Sixteen forty seven. Yep. All of the tickets being sold are single game tickets. If it's a double header, that counts as a single event. Today's games, yeah, it's it's a it's a little rainyish out, but it's a, it's going to end up being I think decent if you if you've got some time and you've been missing going to a game. Just layer up. Bring a blanket. There are tickets get, available. Get outside to watch live sporting events in our, the year of our Lord 2021. There are tickets available happening. to go to yes. the baseball game today. If you go to Huskers.com and go to tickets, yep. there are tickets available, not just in the general admission, but in the reserved as well. 
Um, Something we do need to mention as well on the ticket side of things, and Bill Moose mentioned this multiple times, not just on Sports Nightly, but when Jack had him on um, LNK Today yesterday morning, you do have to purchase a ticket for everyone. There's not a, a, you can't, if, even if they're three years old, everyone coming in has got to have a ticket. They're not super expensive, um, but that is a change for this spring season. That's kind of part of the, how many people you have in there and the health and safety protocol side of it. Yeah. And, and you've got a maximum group size of, I think, eight. Uh, you're going to have the seats. If they're the reserve seats, they're going to be distance away from other groups. Uh, you're still going to have to wear masks uh, and, and like you said, single game uh, seats available, single game tickets only. Uh, and I, did you mention that the uh, the men's gymnastics and the tennis uh, championships, the Big Ten, is hosting them in Lincoln? Did you mention those two? Um, no, I didn't mention them here. I think we'd mentioned that. Uh, I know I mentioned it during the week. And was this... attendance already addressed with those two events already? Yeah. So before with... this week, then. Okay. Uh, yeah. So with men's gymnastics, and the reason for those is that they were under conference championships, and that had been a previous decision by the COPC that conference championships were going to be under the purview of local health restrictions because when it's a conference championship as opposed to just a regular season home game or home match, that money gets divided amongst the conference. So then that became a big discussion of is the decision to not have regular season fan bases based on equity uh, financially? for the league so that no one can get too far ahead because Purdue became the first one to announce they were going to have baseball and softball in attendance. Yes. Well, baseball at Purdue is a significantly smaller uh, ballpark. 500 tickets is what they're going up to. Nebraska didn't even sell out yesterday and had three times as much as whatever would max out for the Boilermakers. So there's you're going to start to see whatever financial equity conversation was going to be going on because there isn't one. Nebraska baseball is going to outperform everyone else in the league. And yes, Nebraska, 100%. And Michigan volleyball is apparently going to continue to play in their rec center church basement. Things John are just Cook. different. John Cook, you mentioned his 600th win. Uh, he also gets a W for just absolutely flaming the University of Michigan <laughs> on his way out the door yesterday. That was amazing. He said something like, uh, somebody asked him about the gym. He's like, yeah, Michigan could probably do better. <laughs> Which, that's uh, fewer words have never been spoken. Um, all right, well, let, let's let's hit our break here. And, and we've got Chris Basnett from the Journal Star who's going to be joining us here uh, right after uh, a couple of minutes. We've got Nebraska baseball, obviously, to cover with Baz. Uh, there is a new Nebraska transfer uh, that announced his commitment yesterday. We'll talk to Baz about him uh, and who his brother is. Yes, we've got another McGowan situation on our hands, folks, hopefully. <laughs> uh, and you got Nebraska football, the media press conference, uh, coaches and players meeting with the media next week. We're happening. Football is almost back. Uh, and I will defend the Big Ten basketball NCAA tournament performance's honor. Uh, I'm going to do that as well. All of that and more coming up here. Stick with us. And Husker Hour. Talking with current and former Huskers and those who cover the Big Red. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1400 KLIN. Back here on the KLIN Husker Hour, rolling along here on your Saturday morning. And it is a special, special weekend because we've got fans back in the stands. You've got Huskers able to actually hear the support of the people of Nebraska when they're playing sporting events. Uh, and somebody who experienced that feeling yesterday uh, of actually hearing somebody 
give it to an opposing player who thought they just got a walk. Uh, Chris Baznett from the Lincoln Journal Star joining us here uh, to talk baseball, basketball, maybe a little bit of football. Uh, covers it all for the Journal Star. Chris, how are you this morning? I'll tell you what, fellas, um, I'm good. I, I saw live sports with other people yesterday, and, and life's pretty good right now, so I can't complain a whole lot. Absolutely. Uh, it's it's hard to do better than that when it's been gone and unavailable to us for over a year. Uh, and I know that just having gotten that experience back, um, it's you know pretty fresh, but just how much of a boost does that give to a place like Nebraska where they're going to have an attendance advantage over most other teams in the Big Ten just based on venue size, uh, just based on the level of support that they usually get from the home fans? Uh, it, it was, I think it's huge. Uh, and I think you saw it yesterday. Um, the guy, the baseball players responded, uh, to the noise, to the crowd. Uh, I think you saw that right away in the first inning, you know, Cade Povich snags a, a bouncer on the first pitch of the game and, and you heard the crowd cheer and, and then boom, he was out of the inning a couple batters later. And then bottom of the first, what happens? Jackson Hallmark gets one about 600 feet over the left field burn, you know, so it, it makes a difference. And, you look at the attendance and it was a little over 1600 and you go, ah, you know, 1600, whatever. But then you realize it's 2 PM on a Friday, two days after fans realized they could come back. And, and two days after Nebraska announced it, you go, man, that's, that's pretty special. And you look at a place like Purdue, or I think they're only letting 500 in uh, for, for their games. So yeah, it's, it's going to be huge for Nebraska, especially when they get into some tight spots. I think they weren't really in a lot of tight spots yesterday, but, you know, th- that's going to come uh, maybe this weekend, maybe down the road, and they're going to need that crowd. And so yesterday I thought was a was a huge step forward and a, a, a fun step forward for, for baseball and for softball. Baz, it was talked about a number of times, and I know watching these baseball games is now going to be very different than it being you and – Robin and everyone else who just went to basketball games throughout the winter. But there were a number of times, especially thinking that Illinois game, where if there was a crowd, you think maybe the Huskers get get over the hump there. Maybe there's a couple more wins just from being at home because things are different at home. It's it's harder to win on the road, and it seemed like this year it was easier for folks to win on the road because there weren't those crowds to go against. But for Nebraska baseball, now you're at home and you've got the crowd is there going to be any difference in in what you're thinking the projected wins are going to be for this for this team, especially at home, having a, a definite crowd advantage over other teams who don't have the same support and don't have the size of ballpark that Nebraska does? Yeah, maybe a little. You know, I I already thought Nebraska's pretty good to tell you the truth. Um, now, what does that mean? Does that mean does does the crowd mean the difference between finishing? you know, fourth or finishing third in the Big Ten or between finishing third and finishing second. And you think, well, that's maybe not a big deal, but this year it is. You know, when you might only see two, three teams get into the NCAA tournament with no conference tournament. So, yeah, I, that's what I mean when you talk about they're going to need that later in the year. They, they play Michigan the last series of the year, you know, and that could end up being a massive, massive series for both teams. And for Nebraska to get that in Lincoln, that's that's huge. And maybe you wouldn't have said that a week ago or two weeks ago. Well, they get Michigan at home, but it won't matter because there's not a crowd there. Well, now guess what? You're probably going to have 2,700 there for all three <laughs> games. And it, it could be a deal where you need to win all three of those games. You need to win two of those three games if, if you're one of those teams. So, yeah, it, in that sense, I think it's going to be a it, – it changes my thinking quite a bit. Um, now, like I said, I, I already thought Nebraska was pretty good. I thought I was higher on them than I think the coaches in the conference were. Um, just knowing what they had uh, talent-wise. But, 
Yeah, when it comes down to if they need to win a game, if they've got to have one and, and Nebraska's got the crowd behind them, I, I, I like their chances a lot more than I did a week ago. So as we saw, the Big Ten went from absolutely no fans to, okay, we're going to take over the spring games, and then now there's fans in the stands for all spring, all sports going on this spring, not just technically spring sports, I guess, with volleyball next week. Is there any chance that the COPC decides to come out and reinstate a conference tournament towards the end of the season? Because there, there's been a lot of talk this week of very upset fans of, well, now there's fans there. Just bring the bring the conference tournament back. What are the what are the logistics with doing that? Yeah, I, I I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but there's probably about a one percent chance that's going to happen. Um, and the reason is is because of the way the Big Ten built the the baseball schedule, where you're playing everybody else. Now you're not playing everybody else an equal amount of times, but the the main reason they got rid of the tournament was because of the way they set up the schedule, where it's it's not exactly a round robin, but you're still playing everybody else. So wouldn't expect the uh, the Big Ten tournament to come back logistically. You know, I don't know. What does that mean? It's still a couple months off. And, you know, the the schedule is set up now to where teams are playing games that week that the conference tournament would normally be. So are you going to go back and, and rework the schedule now so you can play a, a baseball tournament at the in the last week of May? Or do you just stick with what you do and, and make it easier on yourselves and make it easier on the on the schedulers and everybody else? So, yeah, the, the odds are slim. Uh, logistically, I think it's tough because the schedule's set up, like I said, to run through the end of May when the baseball tournament would be anyway. So probably not a real good chance of that happening. Uh, looking back on the, the field side of things for Husker baseball, and uh, then we'll maybe switch it up to another sport, we got uh, a little bit better uh, offense over the last week and a half. Uh, you, obviously, the, the, the wind maybe uh, aided some of that against Iowa, uh, and then six runs yesterday. Part of the issue losing games uh, earlier in the season was you just couldn't get guys in when they got them on base. Uh, I think that first game against Purdue uh, will maybe be exhibit A for the rest of the season. Uh, What have they done in terms of getting guys in, runners in scoring position, not leaving guys on base? Uh, How much has that been able to contribute to uh, them being in a position right now where they're in the projected field of 64 by Baseball America? Yeah, I think, and this is going to going to be like the stock baseball coach answer, but I think it's a better <laughs> approach at the plate. You know, you you look at a guy like Luke Roskam or a guy like Mojo Haggy, and look at where they're hitting the ball, and it's to the opposite field. You know, they're they're not trying to do too much with it, um, and that's all that all those guys. You know, they're they're willing to to go opposite field. They're willing to take a single. They're willing to you know Jackson Hallmark, for example, willing to lay down a bunt for a base hit. You know, it's it's doing all those things, and I think that's easier said than done. All a lot of the time, you know, it's, it's easy to go tell Luke Roscom, Hey man, just, just take this guy, this baby out in the left and, and take your single. Luke's a big, strong guy. You know, he's a dude that can get it out of the park if he needs to. And that's, that's probably, it's, it's one thing to want to do it, but it's a tougher thing to have to go and execute it. And I think well, that's what you've seen is just better execution at the plate, you know, all the way around, whether you're trying to hit for power, whether you're, whether you're trying to just hit to get on base and those things add up and they build on each other. And all of a sudden you've got runners on second and third and there's nobody out or there's one out. And all of a sudden you're going, Hey, if I poke one into left field here, we might score two runs. So I think it just gets easier the more you do it. And, and it, this team has started to figure out, I think a little bit what this coaching staff wants from an offensive standpoint. And they're, they're starting to execute it. Now, can you continue that through the rest of this weekend and next week through the rest of the year? That's, that's the key. We all know, how baseball works and there's going to be cold spells and Nebraska's already gone through one of them. So you have to be willing to 
to stay patient and, and be willing to stay with that same approach through the rest of the year. I think that's going to be the real challenge going forward. Let's switch gears to hoops. Uh, tell us a little bit about the newest Husker transfer from Xavier, CJ Wilcher, and uh, why is Hoiberg on the uh, McGowan's plan again? What, what's special about that? <laughs> well, yeah, CJ Wilcher is a guy that, that Nebraska really wanted when he was in high school. Um, Matt Abdel Massey recruited him both while he was at St. John's, then when he came to Nebraska. Uh, so that tells you how much they, they think of him. It's, it's a guy that's a, a high-level three-point shooter, and I'm, I'm sure that's music to a lot of Husker fans' ears. He's a guy that's a high-level shot maker. He's a, he's a big, strong kid, 6'5", 200 pounds, rangy, can, can be that 3-and-D guy that Nebraska's kind of looking for. And so he really fills a need. And, and he said it yesterday, CJ said it yesterday, that the previous relationship with Nebraska played such a huge role because he knows, I think, what he can be in this offense. So there's a lot of reasons this worked for Nebraska and a lot of reasons Nebraska thinks this can work going forward. And then, like you said, Oh yeah, his younger brother just happens to be the number eight player in the country uh, in the class of 2023 uh, at hmm. point guard. So yeah, like you said, the McGowan's plan. Whether it ends up working out a few years from now, we'll see. But it doesn't hurt, you know. If if you got big brother here, and and again, CJ said this yesterday. I asked him when did you start recruiting Simi, and he said I started this morning working on it. So <laughs> best best recruiters, big brother, right? It, it worked for Trey McGowan's and Bryce McGowan's, and I'm sure Nebraska's hoping it works too for. Uh, for C.J. Wilcher and Simeon Wilcher. Okay, so with the elder Wilcher, that's one spot coming in with the uh, the already three with this class. There's still the three open scholarships because of the departures and then the, the seniors not counting against the scholarships next year. What's happening with these? Is, is, is it bigs that are getting targeted? Is it just anyone who can score anywhere on the court? Where, where do you see these final three scholarships being worked on? And then are there any others that are going to come open? Yeah, you know, I first off, I don't know that Nebraska is really going to be in a big hurry to fill all three. They might fill one or two more of them. Um, so I, th- I think you're looking at probably another big just to add a little bit of depth behind Derek Walker and, and Eduardo Andre. I think you really like what you have there if you're Fred Hoiber, but can never have too much depth, you know. And whether that means transfer portal or, or finding a late a late gym, you know, out of high school, whatever that means, or or a, or a European player, maybe something like that. So I, I'd look for Nebraska to maybe target a big uh, going forward. Maybe they try and find like a you know, like a combo guard, a point guard type guy who can who can run your offense and shoot it a little bit. But I don't think Nebraska is going to be in a really big hurry to fill those three. You know, I think they're pretty happy with what they've got coming back. And, and I've said this before, they're, I think they'd be pretty happy to have a boring offseason where they're not flipping the whole roster over. So, you know, there's something to be said for that too. As far as any more departures, you know, I think the obvious one people are waiting on is Thor. Um, and he's got a decision to make. Certainly, I think it, people would understand if he decided he wanted to, to call it good and go play pro ball over in Europe. He's he's seen some stuff in four years, man. And, and he mentioned <laughs> it having 40-plus teammates in four years. So he might just be ready to move on, you know, and you don't blame him for that. And, and other than that, you know, maybe one more after that. We'll see how it shakes out here over the next couple of weeks. But I would expect the majority of the, the roster movement as far as guys leaving is, is probably done. And... and if you're a Nebraska fan, if you're, in a co- you're a coaching staff, that's that's music to your ears after the way the last couple of years have gone. Uh, another minute here with Chris Baznet from the Journal Star. Uh, Baz, you got the football players and coaches meeting with the media on Monday. Uh, give me an under-the-radar storyline that you're going to be paying attention to this spring. Boy, under the radar. Is, is anything under the radar with Nebraska well, football? In this <laughs> as under the radar as it can get, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I, you know, I think – 
maybe this doesn't count, but I think it's the quarterback situation, you know, like, and I know you say quarterbacks under the radar and that doesn't really go together, but has Adrian Martinez kind of built on that strong finish to last year, you know, and, and we heard Scott Frost talk about, he's going to work with Adrian Martinez a little bit more in the spring. You know, what does that look like, you know, three weeks from now or, or a month from now when it gets to May 1st and we're in the spring game, I, I'm really curious to see that. And, and also, you know, what is, what does Logan Smothers look like? You know, you're talking about a guy that, was on the scout team all last year, and all of a sudden he he's probably the number two guy. You know what what does he look like behind Adrian Martinez? So I know that's that's maybe a, a cop out because I don't know if quarterbacks really under the radar, but I think there's some things there that that maybe kind of get you know glossed over a little bit when you talk about you know well what's the running back situation? What's the wide receiver situation? You know what's that offensive line going to look like with all those young guys? There's there's some big storylines there that I think have kind of pushed quarterback maybe down the list a little bit. And now Nebraska that's kind of surprising to maybe hear, but I think that's where it's at right now. Baz, you know what? Fa- fans are back in the stands, Baz. You can go with just about anything, and I'll probably let it go. It's, <laughs> well, there you go. Yep. That's where we're at right now. There was the uh, – right. uh, we'll get you out of here on this one. There was the pro day uh, for the Husker guys. Who helped themselves the most? Was, was, was it Boodle running under the 4-4? Was it Farniok who put up enough bench press reps that at the 2020 uh, combine he would have been top three in his position? Who helped themselves or even hurt themselves with the pro day this week? I think you nailed it with those first two, Caleb. I think it was I think it was DiCaprio Boodle running four three eight. Um, can't teach speed, you know. And as you well know uh, from your legendary track career, um, yeah, that that, that so, thrower's yeah. relay was really yeah. Quick. <laughs> I, I remember the thrower's relay and your performances there. No, um, no, look, if if you can run and you're a defensive back, you're going to get a look. And, and I think that's where it starts for DiCaprio Boodle. The NFL coaches are going to say, you know what, we can teach him the other stuff, but we can't teach him four three eight. And if he can do that consistently, that does that mean he gets moved up, you know, does he get taken in the draft in the, in the fifth round, sixth round, seventh round, or is he signed as a free agent? Who knows? But he certainly was a guy that I thought that helped himself a pro day. Baznet, thanks so much uh, for the time as always, and uh, enjoy the rest of the weekend. Enjoy some basketball. We're back to the Sweet 16 tonight. That's right, fellas. Appreciate you having me, and we'll talk to you soon. All right, Chris Baznet, Journal Star, uh, joining us to cover just about everything as always. Uh, and we're going to get to football here after the break, Caleb, because – uh, we will talk a little bit more about some of these storylines that are coming up. Uh, you're going to have Scott Frost, both coordinators, four to six players talking uh, to the media. Uh, it be exciting to see all of them uh, again and, and get them talking about what they're going to be doing next week with spring practice starting. That, a lot coming up. Uh, we've got plenty more on this Saturday morning. Stick with us here on the KLI and Husker Hour. Your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers is right here. You're listening to the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1400 KLIN. Moving along on a Saturday morning, big thanks to Chris Baznet, Lincoln Journal Star, coming in talking a little baseball, a little basketball, a little football going on. Starting this next week with those spring practices, Cole, that it's weird for the under the radar storyline to be the quarterback position, but it's definitely not like it was a year ago. Obviously things got changed three days in where everything got shut down. But a year ago it was can Luke McCaffrey overtake Adrian Martinez? What is that battle going to be? And this year, I mean, I think everyone's just kind of resigned to 
it's Adrian Martinez's job unless Logan Smothers does something amazing this spring. Is that, that how you're seeing it, too? Because that seems like that's kind of the way Baz framed it as well. Yeah, I mean, it had to be Logan Smothers, you know, obviously being able to run that offense confidently. And I think you'd have to see uh, Martinez lose it, frankly. I don't I don't know that you're going to be in a position where you'd see Logan Smothers be able to go in and take it without Martinez not doing what he's supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, the, the quarterback situation is always one to watch. Uh, and I thought it was interesting that, you, he, that Baz kind of went with that as an underrated storyline because I think when McCaffrey left – everybody's mind immediately went to, okay, well, Martinez is going to start his senior year and that's it, which maybe ends up happening, but there's more to it than that because you do have Logan Smothers now in that backup spot firmly. Uh, you got Heinrich Harburg coming in from Kearney who has been here since the start of uh, winter conditioning. Uh, he'll be able to have a chance to run that offense, get to know what the, the players and coaches think of him and, and get to make an impression on everybody as to how well he can run this thing too. So, um, all of that is is definitely going to be something that contributes to a uh, little bit of intrigue. Um, I'll, I'll give you my, I mean, I think the obvious number one storyline is what the heck do you do uh, at any of the pass catching positions? Um, you, you don't have Wandale Robinson anymore. Um, Omar Manning was supposed to be the guy to come in last year and help out and he didn't do anything. And so uh, is he going to be able to, to kind of pick up uh, and help out a little bit? Obviously Xavier Betts, Played a big role last year uh, as a true freshman. Can he take that next step and be even more of a, a contributor? You don't have Jack Stoll coming back, so Austin Allen's got to be a, uh, the guy at tight end. Travis Vokalek could help out. Don't forget Mr. Fedoni. Uh, how much uh, share of the, the pass-catching duties will the tight end position have uh, amongst those three guys in general, uh, in particular? And, and other wide receivers, you've got a ton of guys who are just unproven, who haven't even really been out there a lot either. So uh, I, I think watching the receivers and the tight ends, uh, and even to a certain extent, which guys at running back are able to catch the ball out of the backfield and how much they'll see it uh, out of the backfield, that is going to be my number one storyline to watch in the spring. I think you kind of nailed what what are the, the major storylines. Kind of with just right there, major storylines for this spring. To me, I, I consider the quarterback, that's always going to be a major storyline, even if it's a little bit under the radar because there's not competition from two guys up there and we just haven't seen Logan Smothers. But you include the tight ends. What happens with those three guys coming in, particularly Fedoni with the guys who are coming back? What happens with your wide receiver core? Because you lost a captain and you lost Wandale Robinson and we didn't really see Omar Manning. What is What does he do actually on the field besides the what one or two targets he got last year? Do does Xavier Betts take a step, and then who fills in on the offensive line? That's a lot of major storylines all on one side of the ball. Now I and and on the defensive side, I would say that this is maybe flying a little bit under the radar because of how much experience comes back. I don't think as many people are worried about the defense, but I want to see how much they progress. Does this defense, with all the experience coming back, get to where? They're not going to surpass a, an 09 or a 10 type of black shirts, but how close can they get to that with the defense, all of that experience coming back? Can you get close to that level? Because if you can, and the offense just has to take a small step forward, well, all of a sudden you've won seven, eight games, even with the schedule that you, you have coming up here. And it, we already know that this fall is going to depend on the defense particularly at times making up for offensive mistakes. That's just been the way things have gone over the past decade. 
how much can this defense progress is is really what I'm watching over the next uh, couple months here to get to that May 1st spring game. You are you are going to have some grown men on that defense too. Don't forget that <laughs> because all of those super seniors, uh, they're what, 22, 23 maybe years old? You've got uh, guys getting pretty close to being able to rent a car right. at, at a discounted rate, all right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're going to be getting into Mojo Haggy territory with some of the jokes about these guys, really. It's I don't know you're going to get that far. Mojo's in a class by himself. But no, it, the, the defense is going to have a lot of experience, and I think that's that's the first thing that everybody's going to think of as soon as you start lo- you know, going down, uh, running down who you, you project to, to be starting on that defensive side. Like, who didn't come back on defense? Like, everybody came back on defense if you could have. So, uh, yeah, it was, that, it was really just Boodle. And, yeah, exactly. And you can see with yeah. the pro day with running a 4-3-8 – He's got a chance to go make money right yes. now, and, and that, yes. that, that's a chance that you take. And honestly, the the other guy that you would thought that you would have thought might have gone because of his pro prospects uh, wasn't any of the guys who were seniors that had to decide whether to use that extra year. Mm-hmm. It was mostly Cam Taylor Britt to me, right? Uh, because I, I think he's maybe the best player on that defense, and he's a junior last year. So that was a, the decision that I think maybe most folks were, were paying the most attention to, but obviously he came back as well. So, yeah, it, the, the defense is definitely well set up in terms of experience. Can they translate that to uh, just blowing it up, carrying that team, um, and, and doing everything that they need to to get Nebraska uh, to a bowl game at a bare minimum um, and, and maybe potentially uh, getting close to, to competing for the West, at least staying in the race until November, at the very, mm-hmm. I mean, at a bare minimum. Um, if they can do that, that'll be a step forward, I think. And what do you um, see? What do you see from your guys that do come back? What are those steps they take, particularly along the defensive line, particularly along those linebackers? Are you able to get a better pass rush? What does Nadab Joseph do at your your corner and secondary position? How much can he come along? Because he was another one of those guys that came in. He came in really, really late, right before the semester was supposed to start at the end of the summer last year. And then he was kind of an Omar Manning-ish. We had a lot of hype, but then we didn't get to see him at all. There are, there are a lot of guys that have the potential to make this defense, not just with the experience coming back, but with the fact we didn't see him last year, raise it to another level. Right. Yeah, Nadab Joseph is definitely a name to watch at the cornerback spot because you are going to have to replace that spot with DiCaprio Boodle. Uh, you're going to have to do something in terms of the nickel spot if you don't use a linebacker there. Um, you know, Taylor Britt, Nadab Joseph, I think Quentin Newsom uh, is is in line there to to maybe make an impact. Taman Lynham was a true freshman last year. Can he get on the field? Braxton Clark lost last year to injury. He was probably the guy you thought of as your third cornerback mm-hmm. coming into 2020 before the injury. Uh, so getting him back will be important too. Um, and and another guy that they're going to get back from injury hopefully will be Miles Farmer. Yes. Uh, will will he make an impact there at safety? Uh, you've got obviously both Williams and Dismute coming back too. So you would think that those starting spots are locked up. Uh, but but Farmer he made a pretty big impact in the little <laughs> time that he had in the early part of the season. Man, I uh, I have to consistently when we talked about because there was the suspensions if we remember that all the way yep. back that came out of the Ohio State game when and I remember saying. Miles Farmer's got to get a pick in this first half, maybe two. And then what do you know? It bounces off a helmet right into his hands. I'm like, yeah, wow, it feels good to call your shot, and it actually happened. And Miles Farmer made it happen. That That's not something that, oh, he just happened to be there. Anyone else can do that. 
you got to have a guy who knows where he's supposed to be in the defense. He's got to be athletic enough to make the play, and then you have to go actually make that play. And that's what yep. Farmer did with his limited amount of time. Yes, he did, and and you hope that he can get back in in time for this season with his rehab um, coming off of that injury for sure. Um, so so that's what you can expect. Monday is when Frost, Janander, Lubick, uh, and four to six players are going to be talking to the media as well via Zoom um, so, Monday. But I will say, yep. because fans are back, we're going to get to see some practices in person this spring. We'll have some media yes. in person. I'm pumped. I'm so pumped. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's let's open it all up. <laughs> Yesterday you had the big announcement where there's the federal va- pharmacy program. Vaccines are going to be available to anybody uh, if you can register for it. I mean that's look, we're we're getting there. It's it's happening, folks. Um, volleyball. Uh, they they already swept their weekend. They're done for the weekend. They already swept Michigan. So we're going to talk about that. Uh, and I will defend the Big Ten basketball tournament performances on <laughs> um, all that ahead here on the KLI and Husker Hour. Giving you an inside look at everything Huskers. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on 1400 KLIN. Rolling along here, it is the KLIN Husker Hour. That's Caleb Henry, the KLIN Sports Director. I'm Cole Stukenholtz, remotely. Uh, If you missed any of our conversations this morning, uh, Chris Basnett joined us earlier to talk baseball, football, basketball. Uh, You can always head to the podcast page at KLIN.com. You can hit our Facebook page with the live stream. Uh, those are archived as well. That's at, K- at KLIN Huskers. Uh, follow us there on and on Twitter as well. Uh, Kayla, volleyball already done with their weekend. <laughs> uh, they swept through the Michigan Wolverines. I didn't realize this. They have a losing record, but they'd only been swept once right. before yesterday. Uh, and the Huskers get it done. They won 3-1 to one on Thursday. Got the backdoor uh, sweep Thursday. Yesterday. The backdoor sweep on, on Thursday. Right, right. Yeah, did, the backdoor sweep. Man, did not look good in that first set in Ann Arbor. But part of that is because it's a it's a gym that is not very big. Things things look very different there in Ann Arbor. As Coach John Cook said yesterday, Michigan can certainly do better. Uh, and they also play with a different volleyball that, that plays a little bit different. So, so yep. you had some things you needed to adjust to in Ann Arbor, and the volleyball team did that. Got the 3-1 victory Thursday. Absolutely dominated Yesterday, the last two sets, Michigan got to 15 and 13. So there was no chance at coming up. And I think, if I remember right, only got to 19 or 20 in the first first. set. Yeah. So it was, it was dominant. Um, you had Nebraska hit over 300 and held, held Michigan to around .071 or 70 hitting, which is a season worst for the Wolverines. It was Nebraska's 11th sweep of the season, seventh sweep on the road. This year, so Nebraska has played actually better on the road than they have at home, in particular. And next up is well, in last week, John Cook got his 600th victory. Um, yeah. That that one came over Iowa, which it's not just 600 victories over Iowa, although it feels like that because Nebraska's never lost to the Hawkeyes. Now, next up is number 11, Penn State. Here's the issue: Penn State canceled their weekend matches with Wisconsin due to COVID protocols. Huskers are expecting the possibility of 2,400 fans in the Bob Devaney Sports Center this next Thursday and Friday. There's a chance that doesn't happen, guys. That There is a yeah. chance that you just had all this excitement for the possibility, the only possibility as of now, to see volleyball at the Devaney Sports Center this spring. 
and it is dependent on if Penn State can be healthy for this next week, or if another team doesn't get healthy in time to reschedule an opponent to come to Lincoln. There's yeah. there's a lot riding on this. There's a there's the possibility that Nebraska's regular season is done as of today. So that's going to be something to watch early on in this week. There's also that we saw Kelly Sheffield. And just want to get your take on this real quick, Cole, because I talked about it all week. Kelly Sheffield, yeah. coach for Wisconsin, number one team in the country. He was tweeting how the NCAA tournament needs to go back to 64. We saw former Husker coach Terry Pettit tweeting out the same thing. John Cook said earlier this week, it's ridiculous that you're down to 48 teams. It makes sense that everything is single site. You're watching the NCAA basketball tournaments going on right now in Indianapolis and San Antonio. Only one team has had to back out out of all 132 teams. Your take on that, Cole, because I, I think it makes sense to just go right back to 64. Yeah, I, I don't know what logistically would have to change for the NCAA to make that happen, but I, I don't see a reason why uh, you would cut the tournament down by that much. I mean, just accommodate them, uh, get them, get them places to stay and, and, you know, pay the money. You've, you've, the NCAA don't make it, don't, don't let them fool you that they are, you know, cash poor all of a sudden. Um, obviously the economy hit everybody with the last year, but they've got them, they've got enough to do it. Uh, and, and you do have a lot of heavy hitters, as you mentioned, John Cook, perhaps heaviest among them. Uh, to, to come out and say what everybody is probably already thinking. Uh, you had the situation with the men's and women's basketball <laughs> tournaments where there were obvious disparities, uh, to, to say the least. And so there's an opening there. And, and John Cook, Terry Pettit, Kelly Sheffield, they're, uh, they're looking at that and they're taking that opportunity to, uh, to, to, try to, to try to get that back to a 64-team tournament. There's no reason why they shouldn't. I just don't know logistically um, how difficult it would be. But the NCAA probably ought to do it, if nothing else, just for PR purposes, uh, just to maybe get on people's good side. One last thing on volleyball before we hit our last break here. Um, It was not only the last road trip of the season, um, but they got that, like you said, their seventh sweep. Uh, Don't look now, but Lexi's son, uh, she's finding it. She's been the Big Ten Player of the Week twice in the last three weeks. Uh, entering these matches this week, Stivrens was leading the conference and hitting at 465. Nicklin Hames, 11 assists per set, also leading the conference. Nebraska's big three is going to give them a chance to go all the way. And don't uh, forget, hitting their stride. Don't forget Kayla Akana, the freshman out of Hawaii. She's going to be on that Big Ten All Freshman team. Yes, 100%. Yeah, she's had a big year and, and, and she'll be helpful down the stretch, too. Hopefully, they get those Penn State matches in. Um, well, we're uh, we hit our last break here. Uh, Sweet 16 tarts, starts today. Uh, what else is going on this weekend? What else happened last weekend? We'll wrap everything up when we come back here on the KLI and Husker Hour. Giving you a complete review of the Huskers news this week. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1400 KLIN. All right, wrapping this thing up here. We've got some uh, uh, loose ends to tie up. I'm going to start, though, Caleb. Okay. Um, with the Sweet 16, it's it's the turn. It's back today. It's been weird not seeing the games restart Thursday, Friday like they usually do right, this round. Right. Uh, but hey, they're back tonight, so uh, get ready for that. I'm I'm pumped. Uh, look, was it a disaster for the Big Ten? Um, it was bad, yeah. But look, Michigan still has the the capability to go all the way, uh, and and if they do. I mean, even if they make the Final Four, you might sort of forget the bad stuff that happened on the first weekend. Um, I, I, 
there's a lot of ways to to look at this. The Big Ten is is uh, obviously down to one team when they had nine to start. That's not great. Um, but looking at other conferences, let's let's just compare the Big Twelve to the Big Ten. Um, the Big Twelve has one team left as well, and they had seven teams get in, uh, and they have a one seed that's left. Are they getting crushed this week like the Big Ten is? No. Should they be though? Uh, they lost four teams seated four or higher, just like the Big Ten. Both had embarrassing first-round losses. Ohio State and Texas were the highest seeds to go one and done. Uh, they both had a big-time team get waxed in the second round. Kansas lost to USC big-time. Iowa uh, was never really in it against Oregon late first half and on. Um, so the Big 12 is – they were probably thought of as the second-best conference this year, and they're not getting any criticism at all from what I see. Um, so that's number one. Number two, everybody's loving the Pac-12. Okay, great. They had, you know, th- they got lucky with their draws. Uh, they got good games from teams you didn't expect to get them from, with Oregon State especially. But what have they done? Le- leading into this tournament, they were not very well thought of. Last 10 years, Big Ten's got the most bids. Pac-12 has the least amount of bids. Big Ten has the second most number one seeds. That shows you what you do in the regular season. The Pac-12s had the fewest, only two. Only one Final Four team the last 10 years for the Pac-12. It was Oregon in 2017. The Big Ten has the most Final Fours with eight. They haven't won a tournament. That's the big thing on their ledger. Um, But they are getting it done in the regular season. They're positioning themselves. They just haven't gotten the, the, the champion all the way for whatever reason. So is it bad? Yeah. But Michigan can still make the Final Four out of their region. And I think it would wipe away a lot of the bad that people forgot. Don't forget, this is an extremely good year regular season-wise for the Big Ten. Just because they didn't have success on the first weekend doesn't completely wipe that away. That's all. In the spirit of equity, we will say, ah, that really stinks for you guys on the men's side. Women have 25% in, from, from the Big Ten, 25% of the Sweet 16 yep. right now. So the women have shown out. As a conference, they have gone and said, this is how many we got in, and the majority of them made the Sweet 16 on the men's side. I will say this on the Big 12. Kansas was overseeded. USC, I believe, was underseeded. Oregon was underseeded, too. Yeah, so so you start to go through those types of things, and it becomes bad matchups. And Loyola was not an 8 seed. Oh, no, they were Illinois was better than Loyola. They should have won that game, but... I mean, look, credit to Loyola for dominating it start to finish. Loyola should not have been an 8 seed. No, they shouldn't. Uh, we've got baseball doubleheader coming up today. Pre-game 11.30, first pitch coming up at noon. You'll have same thing tomorrow for a single game with baseball. Hopefully we've got volleyball this next week. If we do, it'll be here on KLIN as well. Let's hope so. Um, you've got Nebraska media uh, football. It's coming on Monday. Um, you're going to have volleyball hopefully uh and then you're on to uh, the ncaa tournament so uh get out there support the big red tickets are on sale let's go wear your mask and go big red